Good morning. I am so grateful for our tech people and our band and things like that. I know they spend hours doing and getting ready for worship time, but also the videos and everything that you're seeing, they produce those and they make those. Those aren't something that is purchased or something that is, you know, uh, been bought and in any way they spend and put their time and talents. So I just uh, thank the Lord for uh, all those that are involved. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I definitely want to welcome you, everyone in person. It's great to see each and every week. Uh, we're getting new faces and come, people coming in to see what the journey's about and see what the Lord may have for them is very encouraging. Uh, also, I know this is summer and we have so many that are out and about and far away and in different places, and, but yet are still watching on our YouTube channel. You can tell by the, uh, the views and things like that. So I'm very grateful that uh, people are tuning in in that way. So I want to welcome both uh, you that are here in person, but also those that will be one day watching on our channel. Uh, you can open your Bibles to Luke uh, chapter 9, if you would, today. Uh, we're going to do a little investigating on um, another enemy. We're in this series. We have an enemy. And uh, last week we learned about the world and how that can be our enemy. Um, we first had, uh, if you remember, identify the enemy last week. We did a little uh, fun exercise in identifying him. Um, and then after that we had to find a plan for victory. Uh, we're going to do something very similar uh, this week. Uh, we're going to look at another one of our enemies, and that enemy is called the flesh. Um, we're going to listen to a 2,000-year-old statement made by Jesus in uh, Luke chapter 9. Um, but in that statement, he'll identify the enemy, and then also uh, a little bit of a plan how to defeat or have victory over that enemy. So. Uh, let's pray and surrender our eyes and our ears and our hearts to the Lord this morning. Lord, we're thankful that um, you have given us your word that when we get in trouble or we need direction or we need a plan, Lord, you have it, and it's in your word. Uh, Lord, may we focus on it today. May we be ready to hear who that enemy is and and may we make this, uh, implement this plan that you have put in place for us to defeat him. Uh, Lord, we need you. We surrender our lives to you today in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's read out of Luke uh, 9, if we can, uh, starting in verse 23. Uh, then he said, this is Jesus speaking to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Uh, if you notice, uh, today's scripture is a conditional, uh, has a conditional statement in it. It has a conjunction if in it. And if you're reading through your Bibles and trying to study and, and learn things, uh, that if in our English language is a condition. In other words, there is a condition to be met before you can proceed uh, so Jesus says, if anyone desires to come after me, a condition or conditions must be met first. Um, in this case, he has three. First, uh, let him deny himself, condition number one. 
Secondly, take up his cross daily. And thirdly, follow me. And we're going to investigate all that today. Uh, notice Jesus is speaking to them all. That's how this verse opens up. Uh, there are people that have been following him for mul uh, multiple reasons and in multitudes. Uh, this is um, the, the time we see Jesus speaking here is shortly after uh, his feeding of the 5,000. So it's very possible that maybe these people uh, heard about Jesus and there was food involved. And who doesn't like food, right? And if you, you were following Jesus just to get fed, that's not a bad thing. Jesus would use that as a tool to speak truth and to speak life into his crowd. Um, but then they also, maybe there was healings that Jesus was doing or uh, healing um, sickness or, or taking care of sicknesses and miracles and all these different things that Jesus was doing. People were following him. But then there was another group. There was a group of disciples. These were the 12 that Jesus had called to himself, and they took that call and began to follow Jesus. They were learning of him and really understanding who he was. And uh, so in either case, this verse is speaking to a bunch of people. So if I guess that a majority of you here today are probably in one of two of those groups. Uh, first, the people who have heard about Jesus and want to know more about him. That may be you today. So you're following. You're, you're trying to figure this thing out. You're trying to understand what it means to follow. Then, Or you may be a disciple, those who have heard the call and uh, have put their faith and trust in Jesus and are following him as a learner or as a disciple. Uh, no matter what group you consider yourself in today, you desire to follow him. And I can uh, probably go out on a limb and, and uh, make that statement. But nevertheless, it seems like someone or something is hindering you in following Jesus. I don't know if you're like me, but it seems like there's always some hindrance to me following Jesus. Uh, something that seems to always get in the way. And that's what our series is really about is is discovering these enemies of the cross and trying to figure out how to have victory over them. Uh, maybe you're like me, you've been, you try to sit down and read your Bible and all of a sudden there's some kind of distraction. Um, maybe even in your prayer time, uh, I don't know about you, but I seem to have prayer ADD. I don't know what it is. It's like when I get in, in it, in the zone, next thing you know, I'm talking to the Lord and then thinking about my bathroom for some reason. Or I'll be praying and really super concentrating on this and for some reason some other thought or interruption comes in. Maybe that's you. Um, or there's a multitude of things that can be hindering us in our, in our efforts to follow Jesus. So what's the problem? Jesus' statement in Luke 9 tells us that we have another enemy. Last week we learned about the world. So who is he? Um, and I have this little exercise that I, when I re kind of forget about who the enemy is, so I've kind of come up with this little exercise, so I'm going to run you guys through this. So you need to take your uh, index finger on one of your hands and stick it up in the air like this, and then you need to stick it out like this, and then you quickly need to turn it around and repeat after me. 
I am the enemy. I hinder my walk with Jesus. Well, there you go. Don't get upset with me. Get upset with the Lord because he says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him what? Deny himself. So now we have identified the enemy. It was easier last week, wasn't it? When we could point at somebody else or something else. Uh, This week it's us, and we're going to try to walk through this a little bit. So step one is for us to, uh, if we're going to desire to follow Jesus, is to deny ourselves. So denying self, um, when you look up the original Greek word for this denying, means to refuse, to give thought to, or express concern for, to disregard, to pay no attention to, to say no to. And that last one is, I'm a simple guy, that last one is the easiest for me to understand that definition of that word. So if I'm going to deny myself, this, it, it just means to say no. Remember the old uh, drug campaign that we used to do in elementary school in my era was just say no to drugs. And that was how you, it was the easy way out of getting into the drug scene. All we had to do was just say no. I wish it was that simple when it comes to following Jesus and denying self. But oddly enough, uh, we can be our own worst enemy, aren't we? We can be that. Scriptures say, uh, can often uh, refer to the enemy as our flesh. You'll read that, and if you're in the New King James or the King James or any of the other versions uh, that use some of the older language, they talk about the flesh a lot. But the flesh isn't every single time your enemy. It's not always talking about that. Um, It can be talking about our mortal bodies, you know, just like we're flesh and bone. Uh, You could read flesh in your Bibles and you can get that out of it. Uh, It can mean all mankind, all flesh on the earth. It could be referring to that. It can be referring to meat uh, as food, something we eat, flesh, you know, we kill an animal, and we chop it up and we eat it. Um, But also, it can be our physical nature, uh, our flesh. It's who we are. Uh, This is the the meaning of the word flesh I want us to concentrate on today. When we have to deny the flesh, it is our human nature. It's who we are in the flesh. It's the part of who we are that is in opposition to God. In Romans 8, starting in verse 5, we can read about the flesh. It says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind or the fleshly mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Pretty stern statement there at the end of those verses. It says, Paul says that we can live one or two ways. We can live according to the flesh or we can live according to the Spirit. And this is where the battle is. This is where the 
the battle to follow Jesus starts and ends. Even though we are told that living according to the Spirit is life and peace, we often choose to live in the flesh which can only bring death into our lives. Worse yet, uh, it makes us an enemy of God. Uh, did you catch that uh, in that verse? It says that the carnal mind is enmity against God. That means when we think carnally, we think fleshly, we think opposite of the way God would have us in the way he speaks. Uh, we can see that walking uh, according to the flesh is what hinders us from following Jesus. It makes our flesh our enemy. Uh, you, all may, you may be asking, what are the signs that I may be walking toward according to the flesh? Well, good thing you asked. I knew you were going to ask that question, so we have that answer in Galatians chapter 5. You may have read this in your study and your readings before. But I would like you to look at it today as you. Uh, we pointed out to ourselves that we're the enemy when we are walking in the flesh. Uh, we become our own worst enemy. So read that this morning along with me. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, and heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Notice the works of the flesh are evident. They're obvious. They're clearly seen. So you don't have to wonder anymore if you were wondering if you were acting or living in the flesh. Just go to this list. And if you're, you're, you even get done um, acting out something in your life and you wonder if, wow, does that just come out of the flesh or did I just come out of the spirit? You can look at this list because it's evident. It's before us. Um, we don't have time today to go through each and every one of these. I wish we did. They make a great study in, um, uh, of what the flesh really is. But they're in four main categories, and we'll just kind of talk about this real quick. Sexual evils. In that included the adultery, the fornication, uncleanness, and lewdness. Uh, intimacy with another while married. Intimacy with another while not married. Um, moral filth and the lack of restraint sexually overall. Pretty rough category. These are examples of uh, sexual evils and are outside of God's plan for intimacy. So that was group number one. Second one is evil worship, and that is idolatry and sorcery. Uh, the, the worship of pagan gods, the practice of magic of any kind, uh, interesting, this includes the involvement of drugs and casting spell and worshiping demons. Uh, I don't know how many people I've sat with during uh, that have been, that struggle with addictions and drugs and uh, anything like this in that it's amazing that eventually they get to this place of inviting demons into 
um, their lives. Uh, the next one is social evils, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, uh, dissensions, heresy, envies, and murders. These are all social things, all things that when we interact with others. Um, you may have reviewed the first two lists and said, whew, that's not me. But list number three is pretty tough. Uh, this one's a thing where we interact with people each and every day, and if we're honest, We've all had at least one of these probably this week. Any hatred? You had contentions with anybody? You ever been jealous this week or had an outburst of wrath? Uh, maybe a selfish ambition, it's all about you. And on and on we go. Uh, social evils. And the fourth one is evils of strong drink or alcohol. Drunkenness and revelries, it says. Uh, this is just consuming too much alcohol, engaging in drunken gatherings or unrestrained uh, indulgences, going over the top with alcohol. So we have seen a, um, these list of works of the flesh, and they are evident. Um, you remember what Romans 8, 8 says? It says, so then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. I hope that stirs us a little bit this morning. If you're here trying to follow the Lord and follow God in his ways and what he would have us do, if we find ourselves caught in any of these works of the flesh, this statement should really mess with our heart a little bit and cause us to move in a direction. Uh, if those words are not enough to stir us, Paul says at the end of his list of works of the flesh, he says, and those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, this is a great, great topic and a great study if you want to do it. So I encourage you to get in here. This should get our attention. Paul's not saying that if we find ourselves caught up in any of the works of the flesh, that we are outside of God's forgiveness. I know many of us have been caught in these things. But if we are willing to confess them and repent and turn from them, God can forgiveness and then the kingdom of heaven is ours. But what he is saying to us is that if this is the way our lives are distinguished, is this is how people know us by the works of the flesh, then chances are we have probably not been redeemed and rescued and are not in God's kingdom. We're probably still lost. So we must, this is how serious this is, we must deny the flesh. So what does it mean to deny the flesh? Um, let's carry on in Luke 9 if we could. Verse 24 says, for whosoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? Jesus is saying that our effort to save this fleshly life, to hang on to the old man, we talked about that a couple weeks ago, to hang on to this old life or fleshly life, by doing so, we can actually lose true life what life really is. Um, 
Remember, our flesh is our enemy. We need to recognize this and we convince ourselves that the works of the, the flesh is not where real life is, but where um, actually the enemy resides. However, Jesus reminds us in our effort to gain life through fleshly desires, we actually lose the life we really, really want. You know, most of us will begin to follow Jesus because something's not right, because something's off. We've heard about the hope and the life that Jesus brings, and so we begin to investigate and we begin to follow. But then we, we kind of get involved with the life of Jesus, and it's causing us to look at our life in the flesh and then we find out a few of these things that we have and live in the flesh, they got to go. They have to kind of fade away. Um, so after denying our flesh or trying to say no to it, Jesus says that there's something else that we should do, and that is to take up our cross daily. Luke 9.23, just to review, says, Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Isn't it interesting he says daily here? It's interesting, isn't it? That means there's an ongoing battle. There is an ongoing daily fight against the flesh. Uh, it's interesting because Jesus had himself had not gone to the cross yet. So it wasn't like these guys understood or even could look at Jesus as going to um, die for them. He didn't, they didn't really know that yet. So obviously they knew about crucifixion. And it's probably why Jesus really uses this illustration. Um, crucifixion was a, in, in the Bible and even uh, prior to Roman times, was a form of torture and an execution in the ancient world that involved fixing a person to a wooden post or tree with ropes or nails. Pre-Roman uh, use, the Greeks even practiced this by attaching a living person to a wooden stake until he or she died. And in Jesus' time, of course, the Romans adopted this method of death when they crucified Jesus or any common criminal. So it's good to re be reminded that no man ever went to the cross willingly except for Jesus. Jesus willingly went to the cross. And we know that he didn't die for his own sins, did he? Or his own flesh. He died for you and for me. And that's, that's what's interesting about crucifixion, is that no man ever did that before willingly other than Jesus Christ. But what we're being asked to as followers of Jesus is to do the same. Willingly pick up a cross and go to it and have something be nailed to it. Um, Willingly, think about that for a minute. Willingly pick up your cross and nail something to it. You know, he would have asked us to do it one time, right? If that's all it took. But like we pointed out, that it's daily. 
he uh, asks us to pick up our cross daily. Um, boy, if we could only pick it up once and just do it one time, right? It'd be a lot less painless. If I was to confess my sins to the Lord and be done with it, whew, and be on with my new life in Christ, but it doesn't work that way. There is this flesh that we are left with that continually needs to be cleaned or cleansed. So Jesus is saying that we deny our flesh by willingly pick up our cross each and every day. Then nail our fleshly desires to that cross and let them die there. And this is how we can evaluate how seriously uh, we want to follow Jesus. Are we willing to pick up our own cross and crucify the flesh? After Jesus willingly did this for us. Now, we can look at how pick, what picking up our cross may be. Picking up, Jesus picked up the cross of shame uh, and of sin that wasn't his own. But he willingly did that. But because he has done that, we willingly pick up our cross daily of the sin, for the sin and the shame uh, that we bear as being in the flesh. So we struggle, and in this struggle, when we successfully nail the flesh to the cross, we actually can claim victory in the same way that Jesus claimed victory over um, sin, hell, and the, and the grave for us. Denying our flesh and picking up our cross and crucifying the flesh on it is what Jesus wants us to do. The next step, he says, though, is to follow me. Now, at the beginning of our Luke 9 verse, it said, if anyone wants to come after me, then do these things. But actually, following me is not just coming to church, is not just uh, having the Christian bumper sticker, and not just telling everybody that I am a Christian. Actually, following Jesus is much more. So what does it mean to come behind or follow behind Jesus? It means to come behind him, to do as I do or do as he did, and to walk as he walked. Following Jesus means walking like Jesus. And how did Jesus walk? In the Spirit. So Galatians 5, we learned that there were items that we could see that manifested themselves or were easily um, seen works of the flesh. But he doesn't just stop there. He gives us a counter to that and how we can walk, and that is in the Spirit. So let's read what those are, Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such there is no law. Um, what a contrast to what the works of the flesh are. Uh, complete opposite. Uh, if you want to do a little study this week, it's really cool. Look at the works of the flesh and notice that there is an alternative for every work of the flesh found in the work of the Spirit. Each and every time. Uh, if you're struggling with one of those four categories or one of those things in each of the four 
uh, categories of the works of the flesh. You can find an alternative in the fruit of the Spirit. The works of the flesh are our go-to, however. It's all we know. And so we must almost be like trained or reprogrammed to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. So how do we grow this fruit? Uh, Jesus says in John 15, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. The only way, if you ever want to grow any kind of spiritual fruit in your life for you and me is to abide in Jesus. So what does it mean to abide? That's kind of a little bit of a foreign word to our common English. It means to remain or to continue in. So we are to remain in Jesus or continue in him. Uh, And there's where the battle goes, right? Uh, The works of the flesh. We spend time over here working in the flesh and wonder why we're not producing any fruit of all. So we are to remain in Jesus. We are continuing in him. And remember, without him, we can do nothing. And that, um, that should get our attention. Uh, when it means nothing, doesn't mean that we can't do anything. But anything profitable, anything that bears spiritual fruit, we can do nothing without the Lord Jesus. Uh, you guys and myself, we get ourselves in trouble when we live according to the flesh, obviously. And not in the spirit. Um, Tozer, I love some of his quotes. He says this, he says, long ago I came to the conclusion that if Jesus Christ is not controlling all of me, the chances are very good that he's not controlling any of me. And that, um, that was a pretty stern statement this week as I was studying myself and picked up on this and thought about that and put it kind of into my heart and let it percolate a little bit in the crackpot of my heart is if I'm struggling um, with any of these works of the flesh and I'm not abiding in Christ, then chances are he doesn't have much of me this week. And so it should be a challenge to us all. Um, I have a little illustration. Pictures really help me. I was telling the guys this morning that I'm a whiteboard thinker, and I have to see stuff on a whiteboard and draw it. It's, it just so helps me understand things and walk through things throughout my week. But think of your life this way. Think of your life as one of two trees. Uh, one is the work of the flesh, and the other tree is the fruit of the spirit. And ask yourself a couple of questions. Which one currently has the most fruit? Think about that. Kind of contrast the, the two lists we just went through. Look at the, the, the tree that contains the works of the flesh and look at the tree that contains the fruit of the Spirit. Um, our goal should be that, that the fruit of, or the, the works of the flesh is a barren, ugly, looking fruitless tree that's the goal and the goal would be to have this fruit of the spirit tree just full of fruit and full of life and not dead tree 
Um, if you desire to follow Jesus, all the attributes of the fruit should be found in, in our lives, right? If this is our desire to follow him and if we're abiding in him, it should begin to produce fruit. So I challenge you this week is to take some time and look at your two trees, look at those two lists, go through them, compare, and just really evaluate how much of our life is really lived in the flesh and how much is in the spirit. Paul also reminds us in Galatians 5, in verse 24, he says, and those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Isn't it interesting? The flesh has all these passions and all these desires. Not to say that every passion and every desire that you have in your life is of the flesh. It's not. You can have a passion to serve our Lord. You can have a, a desire to serve our Lord and those be good, long as they are bathed in the fruit of the Spirit and not in the works of the flesh. So as we kind of think through both of these today, I'm going um, to ask you to really look at if, what is your enemy? Is, is it the world, the, maybe the first one that we talked about? You can come on up, Jamie. I'm going to kind of give us a little bit of a challenge here. But is our enemy really just the world? How much of our inability or our failure to follow Christ in the way that he would want us to follow is really us? Remember the exercise? Uh, I would love to be able to go and point it up and point to all you guys out in the crowd and say, you're the reason that I am not following Jesus the way that I should. But I can't do that. Uh, today's scriptures have really shown us that we are our own worst enemies sometimes. So therein lies the challenge. If we're going to have victory over the flesh, we must deny ourselves take up our cross daily and follow him. And how do we follow? By walking in the spirit. So I'd like to just take a few minutes. I want us to get into a routine of allowing the Lord to, if you heard something today that he was saying or something that you're reading or maybe even further on in the week this might come up, I want you to always give time for the Lord to to kind of bake that in your spiritual crockpot, if you would, or in your spiritual heart. Allow him to do that today, would you? If you're here today and put your faith and um, trust in Christ for forgiveness of sin, but still struggle with the flesh like I do, may you be encouraged today. May, maybe by knowing that the spirit that lives in you has given you the everything you need to deny the flesh. It's there. We just don't pick from that tree as often as we should. But also, if you're here today and you've not yet given your life to Christ and you know who you are and who you're not, if the Spirit doesn't live in you, you're helpless. And that's what the Bible's really drawing out here to us, is that the Spirit's power is where we defeat the flesh. 
So may I encourage you to invite that spirit into you. If you don't know him and you're following him, maybe you're one of the, the people that we talked to in the beginning of today's uh, sermon that you're just curious. You just, or maybe you've been coming to the Journey Church for 10 years and you're still just not sure. But there's hope for us all when we look to Jesus to defeat the flesh. And we can do that by letting go. Letting go of the flesh. Letting go of all that stuff that we think is going to bring us life. And it actually, according to the scriptures, brings us death. Each and every one of those works of the flesh, if we are involved in any one of those, it's bringing death into our lives. But if you have not yet given your life to Christ, you can do that. It's fairly simple. You just have to confess your sins to him, admit that you're a sinner, confess those sins to him, ask him to forgive you. And according to his scriptures, he will forgive you, just like he has forgiven me and every other person that has asked him for forgiveness. And then turn from that sin and walk in a way that is in newness of life. We spoke about that a few weeks ago. God wants you to live in newness of life. He wants me to live in that new, newness of life. And if that's you today, maybe why we take a few moments, you can humble yourself and ask him to save you and rescue you from your sins. I'm gonna give you a few minutes to reflect and then we'll all come back and um, we'll pray and kind of end our gathering together. So please take a few moments on what today meant to you. Dear God, we just, uh, we all have a desire to follow you, to come after you, but yet we battle with this enemy called the flesh. It's our sin nature. It's who we are. Lord, I pray by the Spirit's power that you give us the strength to just say no to the enemy, just to throw those fleshly works upon the cross, the cross that you use to give us victory over it all. Lord, we want to follow you and walk in this spirit. Thank you for your spirit's power that is available each and every minute of the day, that when we're 
confronted by the works of the flesh that we can easily stop and just come to you and ask for your Spirit's help. I pray for anyone here today that does not yet know you and knowing that you are but a conversation away from a life eternal. I pray you give them the courage to reach out to you. You, you love them. You've proven that by the cross. You've proven that, that you laid your only son, Jesus, down on that cross. He shed his blood for the remission of sins and that you're readily available to forgive us of those sins. So, Lord, I thank you as we go out today. I thank you that we can come to you at any moment because you're always here, ready, available. We thank you for these things, and we thank you for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Please remember as you leave today that I'm always here. We have elders here that would be willing to pray with you and be with you uh, through any of your struggles that you may have. We always want to be a light to you. And uh, so as you leave today, remember those of you that know Christ, go out and be a light into the world. They so desperately uh, need our Lord and our Savior. So we'll see you next time here at The Journey.